Well, uh, happy anniversary, everyone. We're so glad that uh, you chose to uh, hang out with us today. And sorry you had to go through that five minutes of your life that you'll never get back again. So, hey, uh, let's uh, pray and let's uh, jump right on into the teaching. So let's pray. Loving God, we are so grateful for you and for the wonderful ways that you work in our lives. And we thank you, God, for the way that you've worked in this church called The Jar. And that together we get to celebrate today. We have so much to be thankful for. And God, what I'm uh, most thankful for uh, is not only your presence in my life and in this church, but for each person who's sitting in a chair today. Whether they've been here since day one or today is their very first day because maybe a friend invited them or they saw a commercial that they're here And God, I know you want to talk to them. And so, God, would you speak through your Holy Spirit to each person in this place? Would you move in their lives and persuade them in ways that you know I can't so that your name would be made great? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about vision. And I want to begin by us reading out loud together the ultimate passage on vision in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And let's read this out loud together. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Let's read it again. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Without a vision, without a dream, People give up. People die. People walk away. But with every innovation, with every idea, with every change that happens in a person's life, it happens because of a vision, an idea of a preferred future. Nothing just happens, folks. It all begins with someone who steps out and sets a vision. Anybody know who uh, this guy is here? Albert Einstein, that's right. Well, this week I did a little study to see if my five-year-old daughter, uh, Shiloh, knew who this was. So I asked her, I said, do you know who this is a picture of? And she said, no. And then she went on to say this. But I guess that's what you're going to look like, Daddy, in a few years. (laughs) That kid is grounded for the next ten years, I mean. Well, this guy here is considered one of the most intelligent people who have ever walked planet Earth. And even Einstein said this, imagination or vision is more important than knowledge. Now back to our scripture. When Solomon, the guy who wrote the book of Proverbs, said, where there is no vision, people perish. Who was he talking to? Well, I did some study this week, and most scholars believe that he was talking to the present-day prophets. 
This was in a prophetic period, and so he was talking to those individuals who were the messengers of God, those individuals who were the pastors of their day. And he was saying, prophets, do your job and do it well. Listen very, very clearly to what God tells you, and whatever he tells you, make sure that you express it clearly to the people. Because if you don't do this, then God's people are going to wander away aimlessly. And eventually, they're going to wind up doing their own thing. And usually what that ends up being is people with bad attitudes and a lot of bad behaviors. And they slowly perish. Now let's move fast forward to today, 4,000 years later. And let me ask you this question. Whose job is it today to listen to the voice of God, to hear his promptings, to read his scripture, and then to share with other people and communicate with them or to do what he tells them to do? Whose job is it today in 2014? It's not a trick question. Whose job is it? It's your job. It's not about being seminary trained or being the prophet. When Jesus came, he said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I tell them clearly what to do. All of us who claim Jesus Christ as the leader of our life. Jesus said, I want to give to you a vision. And then I want you to fulfill that vision. And you can hear from him. And you can follow the preferred future he has for your life. Now today is our church's birthday. We are going to celebrate 10 years today and uh, we'll have ice cream right after this. That's why you have to pick your kids up there because if we left the kids up there, they would eat all the ice cream. So you'll pick your kids up and you can go up and you can get some ice cream. And it's a day to celebrate. That's why we're here. But for the rest of our time, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about two ideas, two big ideas. And the first is this, God's vision for your future. God's vision for your future. The person sitting in your chair right now, your personal future. So let me ask you this morning, how many of you are thinking about the next three to five years of your life? Are, well, that's good. People are saying, it, it's always different because in the first celebration, they're not even awake. So uh, not a single person raised their hand. Yeah. Are you excited about it? Are you moving into the future with passion and expectation? Or if you were honest today, you'd say, I'm just a little bit indifferent. I'm just kind of going through the grind, going through the motions, day after day, but you don't really think about your personal future. You know, I have a feeling that if Solomon were here today, he would stand up here and he would say this, do you have a personal future? Do you have a vision for that future? And do you have a fresh word from God? 
Now, if you do, then your life is going to be God-guided and there'll be a vision that you sense for your life. You're probably pumped up. You're ready to get up each day and to experience what God has for you. But if you don't have a vision for your future, that may explain why, why in, a piece of, in a piece of you that you are dying a little bit each day. Again, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision for your life today, it doesn't mean you're going to walk out here and bam, you're dead, you know? It doesn't happen like that. It just means that eventually you kind of walk around with your shoulders kind of slumped over. And when you used to smile, you just don't smile as much anymore. And you don't have the same energy that you once had. There's just a little piece inside of you, a little bit of dying that's going on every single day. Even though the outside circumstances look fine and people around you would say, oh, they got it together, they're doing okay, it's okay, inside of you, you know, you know that there's a little piece of you dying each day. As many of you know, I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. And whatever the stereotypes are, I probably did them all and more. And my dad served a denomination for 45 years of his life. And when I decided to follow in his footsteps at the age of 22, I think it was one of his happiest days of his life. And I served in that denomination for five years, and I loved the little, small little country church that I had, and we doubled in size over five years, and they talked about a building project, and all of a sudden I kind of became the poster boy for this denomination in Indiana. I was preaching at revivals regularly, and many of my pastor buddies would come, and they're like, dude, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. I was successful in larger churches, started calling, wanting me to go and teach at those places and and to see what God would do there. But I thought to myself that that's not what I want. And I felt this uneasiness in me. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll follow what my dad did. And he went on to seminary and maybe seminary, my master's program. It'll change some of that uneasiness that I have. And so I expanded my Bible knowledge. I learned all kinds of stuff. Churches still were calling. There was one church, in fact, that started kind of courting me. Church of over 500 people. Hey, you know, we, when you graduate, we really would like you to come. And I'm sure it would have pleased my dad very much to have stayed in that denomination. I think God would have done whatever he would have done. That might have been his dream for my life, but it wasn't mine. And as school got closer and closer to finishing up, I just had this perishing feeling inside me that I couldn't go back into a denomination. Not that denominations are bad. I love them. I love all churches. But for me personally, I just couldn't go back into a traditional setting. It might have been my dad's script for his life, but I sensed that it wasn't 
my Heavenly Father's script for my life. And I remember praying, God, I love your church. I can't see myself going back, though, into a traditional setting. I think I would just die a little bit every day. And so I graduated from seminary, and this was the truth, folks. I had no clue where I was going. I kind of had some ideas, but I, I really didn't know. And so what happened was I got really serious with God. I just really got serious with Him. And I spent time in prayer and in fasting and in reading Scripture and seeking His face and begging Him to give me a vision. I wanted it. I wanted His vision. I begged Him for it. Now let me pause there just for a second. Is there anybody here this morning that can relate to this? That you're doing what you're doing, but you're just dying a little bit every day. I mean, the outward kind of circumstances look fine, but inside, you know in your quietest moments that you just feel like you're perishing a little bit each day. Other people don't know, but you know. They don't have a fresh word from God, and neither do you. Now, you might be able to look back on your life and you can go, I remember this era of my life when God was moving, but you're not there right now. And you're going through the grind and you're going through the motions and you're checking things off your list and you go to church and you read your Bible every once in a while, but inside of you, there is a slow little dying in you every single day. And again, let me say this. I've been there. I know what it's like. And it's not fun. So for me, I just said, God, I will pay the price. I will fast. I will pray. I will journal. I'll do anything that you want me to do. Just speak to me, God. Now, in my situation, the vision, the word from God came in a very strange way. I was in the bathroom praying, and I was on my knees, and the bathtub was around like this, and I had my knees there, and I was just crying out to God, God, speak to me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just speak to me. And I sensed his voice say this, Chris, I want you to plant a church in Muncie, and I never want you to question me about this again. And then I remember shortly after that, going to my dad and telling him, Dad, I love the denomination I grew up in, but that's not the script God has for my life. He wants me to start a new church, a different kind of church. A church that on the 10th anniversary, they would show a Star Wars clip. (laughs) 
And folks, this is the truth. That was 12 years ago, and I don't regret it a single bit. And I never... And I just don't ever look back. Now, let me be clear on something. I'm not saying that living out God's vision for your life is going to be any easier from what you're doing right now. In fact, for me, honestly, the toughest years were those first few years. It got harder. It was so much harder. It would have been so easy to just walk into an established church and do stuff. But I wanted to reach people who no one else was reaching out to. And within a few months, though, although it was hard work, it was like the best adventure of my life. And all of a sudden, the uneasiness and the dying that I was feeling was gone. I was no longer dying a little bit every day. And over time, I began to feel like I was on a custom-designed mission from God that fit me and who I am. And this is the thing, folks. You can be on a custom-designed mission just for you. Who you are. All your quirks. And some of you got a lot of them, you know? All whatever you are. You can be on a custom-designed mission the way that God wired you up. And you can have a rich and a meaningful life. And when you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, you're not worried about tomorrow. You're not worried about what happened. But you're just saying, God, thank you for this day. You're so awesome. Thank you for the custom designed mission you've given to me for my life. You are such a good God. Is anybody interested in this? Anybody? Well, if you're interested enough, are you interested enough to pay the price? To go on a full-out search for God, for the vision that God has for your life? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to hear from God? Are you willing to get on your knees and tell God, God, I'm tired of just dying a little bit every day. I'm tired of just being a casual kind of Christian thing. What I need, what I beg of is a fresh vision from you. Now, sometimes God radically changes your path, but other times what he does is he just affirms what you're already doing. He's like, you're already doing this stuff. Let me just help you to do it a little bit differently or we can do it a little bit more effectively if we did it this way. You know, every single Christ follower I've ever known who got fed up with perishing and got fired up to seek a new vision for God, when they found it, when they pursued it, and when they went through the confusion and the frustration, but eventually God revealed to them what the next step was, they will tell you, I would do it all over again. If I had to go through that a hundred times, I would have done it again. 
just so I could have God's vision for my life. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, talks about the difference between his old life when he didn't have a vision from God, and then he talks about his new life when he did have a vision from God. Paul describes his life before God's vision this way in the New Testament. He says, my life was useless. Useless. Have you ever felt useless? I mean, it's like when you're doing what you're doing, but you know what you're doing, it really doesn't matter. It's not making much of an impact. It's a terrible feeling, folks, to feel useless. In another situation, before he had God's vision in his life, he said this. My life was rubbish. My life was rubbish. My former life was just like a throwaway life. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, this is what he says. He says, I consider everything a loss. I consider it rubbish. Now, the Bible was in the New Testament was written in Greek, and by the time they translated to us... Sometimes we don't get the exact word, so they cleaned it up for us who are English speakers uh, and call it rubbish. But do you know what the actual word is? The actual word is dung. Do I need to explain that for you? Okay? I don't think so. But here is Paul, and he's saying, my former life, I considered it to be like dung. That's what I felt about it. But then he goes on and he talks about his new life. And he describes it this way. In my new life, I have unspeakable joy. And there's a difference, folks, between joy and happiness. Happiness is you go to Cedar Point or King's Island, you do the beast a few times, you're like, woo, that's awesome. Or you throw up. I don't know, but you know, one of the two. That's what you do. But joy is, regardless of the circumstances that are going on around me, because I have a vision from God and I'm following it, I'm at peace. I'm content. Then he goes on to say, my new life has a sense of surpassing value. He says my new life has value. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Same sentence. Folks, if you get God's vision in your life, you will say phrases like that one day. You will. You will say phrases like that. Several years ago, I was teaching at a a small little country church. They had asked me to come and teach, and um, I was teaching on, uh, they, they gave me a topic, and the topic was on healing. And what was so funny, I woke up the morning, and I felt sicker than a dog. So here I am, I'm supposed to go talk about healing, and I felt sick. And I was like, seriously, God? I mean, I am so sick right now, I don't feel well. 
and you want me to go and talk about healing. So I plugged through a very average, powerless, honestly, it was one of the worst teachings I'd ever given in my life. Like some of you are like, no, I've heard a few of them too. (laughs) I mean, this is like top ten list, folks. You haven't heard some of those. And I'm like, it, it was so bad, in fact, that I had this thought when I walked off the stage. I thought maybe they could just take the offering bags and give everybody their money back. You know what I mean? Like it was that bad. And yet, on that night, folks, God worked in such a supernatural way. It was undeniable. And it surprised me so much that when I started driving home that night, I was just like, that was crazy, God. That was just crazy. God, you know how much of a mess up I am. You know how sinful I am. You know how sick I was tonight. And you know how I just don't always do the things that you want me to do. And yet, you took me tonight and you did something that could only be done by you. And yet, you used me as an instrument for these people. And I was like, God, that is just crazy. Crazy. But if you'd like to ever do it again, I'm open to it. You know what I mean? Folks, I have never found a better feeling in my life than to be used by the hands of God. Tell me a better feeling than that, and I'll buy it. But honestly, I've never found it. I mean, when God is guiding your life and you're using your gifts and he has you on a custom designed vision, it just doesn't get any better than that. There's a woman in our church named Marilyn. And uh, several years ago, she started attending with her uh, son and daughter-in-law. And God just kind of did a 180 in Marilyn's life. And she gave her life fully to Christ. She was baptized. She just said, God, whatever you want, I'm open for it. She was on fire for God. But shortly after she made this change in her life, her husband was diagnosed with cancer. And he was not a believer. And so... Marilyn spent her the rest of her life trying to encourage him to come to Christ, and he did. And just a few months after that, he died. She experienced all this pain and all of this grief that a person could go through, and she felt like she was just perishing a little bit every day. But it was also during the same period of her life that she sought God like she had never sought Him before. And she wanted His vision for her life. And she just sensed God telling her, I want you to use your pain 
to help other people who are going through the loss of loved ones. I want you to use your hurt to help other people. And she kind of spearheaded our grief share ministry that has helped so many people, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people to get over the loss in their life, to work through the loss in their life. This week, just out of the blue, I get a random email. It's from someone who's a part of uh, the soccer league that my daughter's in. I don't even know this guy. But somehow he got my email, and this is what he sent to me. He said, I want to thank you for having the Grief Share Ministry at your church. My wife and I attended shortly after we had lost our 16-year-old daughter a little over two years ago. We have become great friends with many of the people there. The Lord impressed upon our hearts to begin a grief share group here at our church. It is amazing to see what the Lord is doing through us. There is so much grief when we lose a loved one. And I'm so thankful that you started this ministry in your church. Now this is how God has worked on Chris Bunch. Ten years ago, I would have emailed them back and I would like, oh yeah, we're so, I did and I'm grateful for that. But this is the difference. I got on the email and I said, I didn't start a thing. In fact, most of the stuff that happens in the jar is not because of me, but because of people like Marilyn who say, God, even in the midst of my pain, I want to be used by you. You tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. And look at the impact now that it's having, not just in our church, but multiple churches because of one woman who said, God, if you use me, I will follow what your vision is for my life. I think of a young married couple in our church. They're both teachers. They were making pretty good money. They had bought a house. They had their first child. But in the midst of everything that was going on, they just felt like they weren't living the dream that God wanted for their lives. They knew they both couldn't just kind of stop and do something, but they felt a sense that the wife should go pursue the dream that they had kind of together. And uh, she sent me this email a few months ago. She said, I have always had a passion to help youth. This is, what I decided to be, this is why I decided to become a teacher. Through working in the school setting, I've realized that I not only want to help students in the classroom, but outside of the classroom with their lives. I have prayed a lot about this with where God wants me and what he wants me to do. I feel that he has put a big dream on my heart. I believe that God has put on my heart to start a nonprofit center for teens. I know that it's going to be a huge goal. I know it's going to take sacrifice. But Justin and I have decided that we will be dedicated and work hard no matter what it is. I understand this, but I feel like God is directing me because I feel that there are kids that will be forgotten if I don't fulfill the call that God has on my life. And then at the end, she just asked her some advice and she wanted to know if, she thought, if I thought she was crazy. 
And I loved sending emails back like that. And I said, no, you're sane and you're healthy. You're not crazy. Now the world is going to tell you that you are a nut job. But you're not crazy. This fall, she entered to do her master's work in counseling. And with no doubt, I have a feeling that God is going to use the vision that the two of them have to help teens in our community in ways that this world could never do because she listened for the vision that God had for her. Folks, Marilyn and this young couple, they're living the kind of life that Jesus promised that he would give to anyone who would follow him fully. John 10.10 says that if you do this, Jesus said, you will receive life in all its fullness. Not in all its easiness, but in its fullness. A life that is passion-filled, heart-pounding, God-centered, expectation-oriented kind of life. This is a vision-led life. Let me ask you again. Are you, are you living your life these days with a fresh vision from God? Or are you finding yourself slipping into just being casual in your faith? Where you go to church maybe every once in a while, or you read your Bible, you might say tidy prayers, you try to live a clean life, but you know deep down... Deep down within you, just between you and God, that there's just a little dying going on each day. Now, on to our second kind of big point. And some of you who are time watchers right now, you're like, serious? But this is the good news. I was fooling you. The second point. The second big idea simply encapsulates the first one. And the second big idea is this. God's vision for our church's future. God's vision for our church's future. Folks, the vision of the jar is directly related to you following and obeying the vision that God has for your life. Because the future of the church is related to the health and vitality of those who sit in these chairs. Who have the spiritual courage to say, I will listen to the voice of God and I will follow it. In your program today, you received a couple of flyers in there. One's about next week. We're going to talk about sex next week. So there are a lot of men that are like, I'm in. Amen. But we're going to talk about getting wiser in our sexuality. But there's another little uh, hand, hand out there that is the vision of JAR 2.0. And I want to encourage you to read this and pray about it this week. And ask yourself, God, where do you want me to be plugged in? And give, your time, give yourself as much time as you need. And wherever that is at, let me know so we can get you plugged in to that part of the vision. You may be the champion for one of those things. But I have no doubt in my mind 
that before I retire, that God's going to fulfill this vision. And it won't be because of me, but it will be because of people who have heard from God and said, Chris, this is what God's calling me to do. And we release them and say, go for it. Change our community. Change the world. Because I really think that we need to celebrate on this Sunday, on our 10th birthday, is that as a church, 10 years ago, there were only a a handful of people. And we lacked all the skills that you needed to start a church. But God, in His grace, came to this little handful of people and started whispering to us, Hey guys, have you done enough dying? Have you done enough perishing? Are you tired of being bored? You want to do some real living? Then let me pour a fresh bucket of vision into your lives. And let's see what happens. And because we had no better plans for our future than to do that, we just... Dumb people said, yes, we'll do it. Yes, God, I'll take your vision. And God took this ragtag Flawed group of people. I mean, we were really messed up and screwed up. I can tell you stories that uh, you wonder how we ever made it. But he said, I'll take you as is. And he saved us from our sins. And we needed that. But then he started filling us up with buckets of vision. And other people came. And then other people came. And a little bit more. People said, no, I want some fresh word from God as well. And you know what I'm celebrating on this 10th anniversary? It's that instead of there just being a handful of people with a whole lot of vision and passion, I'd like you to just look down the row real quick at the people that you're down. Just look around at the people, okay? There is a handful. No, there's not a handful. There's hundreds and hundreds. And they would say, many of them, That they came and they were found by God and they were forgiven by Jesus Christ. And many, many of you have received a fresh vision from God. And many of those early people, they got a fresh vision and they got fired up for what God was doing. Now this is my question. Can you just imagine what the jar might look like? Ten years from today, if every single one of us said, I will listen to you and I will fulfill the vision that you have for my life. Our ears had not heard and our eyes had not seen what God could do if everyone said, I'll live that kind of vision life. Folks, some of you are sitting here And you've been at the jar for a long time. And you can remember an era in your life in which God was really moving in your life. And you were full on for him. 
And you felt his vision, you felt his passion. But you don't have it now. And this is what I want to say. You need to get it back. You need to get back on your knees and say, God, I want a fresh bucket of your vision. Some of you for a while have sensed where God wants you to go. You're just scared. I know what that's like. I was scared to death myself. And I'm just saying, folks, when it comes to God's vision, it's an either-or deal. You're either going to continue on the road of slowly dying, or you'll choose a new path, a new road of God's fresh vision. But once you get on with the new, folks, once you really receive what God wants to give to you for your life, you go through life with an abundance of life. An abundant life that is filled with the fullness of God. You need a fresh vision from God. You need to step out on a limb of faith. Yes? Yes. You know, one of the constants that has been in the jar is God's love that just pours in this place. And we want to show love back to Him of how He loves us. So I'd invite you to stand as uh, Derek and the band lead us.
every person here to know today that God is so amazingly in love with you. If you're here for the first time or you've been here hundreds of times, His love is present right here, right now for you. And I was just thinking earlier this morning in my prayer time that there might be some of you who are here today that one of two things. Either you need a prayer for a fresh vision in your life. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up and they would love to pray with you for that. But maybe you're here for the very first time and you're like, you know what? I want Jesus in my life. I want him to help me to know what my vision is. I'm going to be standing right here and I'd love to pray with anyone uh, who would be willing to do that. We've got ice cream upstairs. If you're new here for the first time, we've got guest connections. Stop there. We've got a free gift for you. The way we're going to close is like we've done with all of our Proverbs teachings, is by having someone come up here and lead us in our wisdom benediction. And uh, as I thought about it, I thought of the wisest person I knew, my wife. And, uh, yeah... Come on up here, honey. Come on up here. And uh, out of everybody in this church, folks, the person who has sacrificed the most and had to put up with a lot of dung uh, in this place has been Jennifer. Would you just thank her uh, again for what she does? As we continue to reflect on being wiser with our words, let's declare this benediction together as a church in one strong voice. Please join me. Here we stand, united by the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We confess we have depended on our own insights and hoped that would be enough. God, in this moment, Help us put that way of thinking to rest. Guide our community as we practice what has been instilled in us today. We ask for your divine wisdom to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you're new here, please feel free to stop by Guest Connections. We have a free gift for you. And as a reminder to parents who are picking up school-aged children, um, please uh, follow the map that will come up here. Um, it's down in the, in the racquetball hallway um, because upstairs we invite you to join us for ice cream uh, free. And it's courtesy of Baskin Robbins. So please feel free to go on upstairs and celebrate. Remember that you're always loved in this place. Have a great week. Hey, last thing, before you leave, you'll get a little card to pass out to people for trick-or-treating. We're doing escapades for free on November 8th. So you'll get a little bag. Put them with your trick. Give them candy, too, okay? All right.